Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Taylor on from Sterling, and we'll be learning about the business case or the use case his prospects and customers use to justify the spend with Sterling. So, Taylor, why don't we do introductions first? Why don't you introduce yourself and Sterling? Yeah. Hey, good morning, William. Thanks for having me on. My name is Taylor Liggett. I am the head of identity services at Sterling. So I oversee all of the uh, identity related services that Sterling offers. And Sterling, for those of you who don't know, uh, we are one of the world's largest background screening companies. So we have uh, background check capability around the world. About 50,000 clients conduct uh, just about 100 million uh, background checks every year. So small is, is just, yeah, we're just getting, we're just finding our way. <laughs> kind of a cottage business, uh, family owned, like a taco stand, but yeah, uh-huh. no, but not. So the, uh, the identity services part is, is really, it's really, I'm really interested in it because I've obviously studied this space for a long time and background screening, background checks, it's always been extremely important. Uh, especially pre-hire, right? So it's always been important in in terms of the funnel for hiring to get to a certain point, whether or not you put it way out or you put it closer to when you do an offer letter that you understand, you know, uh, that that someone doesn't, especially like criminal record and things like that. So like, it's always been a part of hiring. I mean, as long as I can remember, but it's also kind of through the years, it's been commoditized in some way, or, you know, like people have thought of it as, as commoditized. And I like that, that you and some of your peers are, are thinking about it more broadly as more of about their identity, not just the check, which is, again, stated and covered, it's important, but also looking at identity. Is this person really who they say they are? And then maybe more of a continuous kind of look at are they are they still who they say they are, et cetera? So take yeah. us into take us a little into a little bit more about the identity services part of Sterling. Yeah, and I'll just uh, you know something you said just um, got me thinking. So just a kind of an interesting uh, anecdote, something that may help us frame the conversation a little bit. Is I I think that um, you're right. The background check services have been you know are really ubiquitous at this point, uh, largely been commoditized in many ways, but. The, the, there's also a new sort of revolution going on right now, which you're getting at with I, with identity services. Uh, in case you didn't know, so uh, William Greenblatt, who's the, the founder of, Stir, of Sterling, when he was first getting started in this uh, and really kind of helping create this space, it was really around lie detector tests, if you can believe that. Back in the 70s oh. uh, into the, to the early 80s, that's kind of how this started. And then uh, things, of course, evolved from there into criminal record searching and so on. Um, and then at the point in time at which this really sort of changed into ubiquity was um, around 9-11 after that, right? In the wake of that, I think they're just employers that were sort of had more of an awareness of this. So we started to see huge sort of shifts into that. Uh, and that was also, let's say, fast forward into early you know, 2010 timeframe, uh, maybe a little bit before that. Uh, there started to be additional awareness of 
um, you know, think about checking criminal criminal records. Uh, how do you know where to check? And so there were product development uh, and innovation around sort of trace and locator type products that uh, helped employers feel more confident that if I'm coming in to their to their background check, there's a tool that can essentially like trace where I've lived to help then understand where to uh, search for for criminal records. And you know, there's been a lot of innovation throughout the throughout the space since, but I think we're really at a point now. Um, of of the next big change, and this one I think is bigger than than anything that's come before it, and that's on identity services. So, you know, the the way that I would just frame that simply is that how do you know that the person you're going to run a background check is who they say they are? And you know, beyond there's a lot of middle ground here. This is not black and white. You know, I think when people think about identity they commonly think of just outright identity fraud. In other words, I'm Taylor Liggett and I'm pretending to be John Smith. That does happen. It's actually happening more nowadays than I think it has previously. But there, but there's also, I could say, you know, my name's Taylor James Liggett. I could say I'm, you know, Taylor Jim Liggett, for example. That would have huge consequences on my background check. Um, I could, you know, transpose digits on my date of birth. Uh, mess that up or my social security number. All those things are very impactful. So when we talk about getting identity right, it's one, weeding out outright identity fraud, but two, making sure that biographic data, as I would say it, is also accurate so that you can have the best you know, quality check uh, that's going to happen. So I love the fraud part of this uh, because it's, it's risk management, right? So it's one thing that HR, finance, everybody in the organization cares about. Um, the other part of this is, um, you know, I wanted to ask you about in terms of remote, like what we've seen through the pandemic and obviously what we'll see for, for knowledge workers going forward for a lot of knowledge workers. Do you think fraud, the impetus to make sure that identity is verified? Like if 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 Tim was coming into the office to do an interview and we're looking at his drivers like, okay, fair enough. But if a lot of this stuff is done digitally or over the internet, et cetera, or Zoom calls, um, what role was remote played in kind of the the boom in uh, identity services? Yeah, it's it's played a big one for sure. Um, you know, this, it, it, it was kind of a perfect confluence of events that's happened over the last couple of years. So uh, the COVID um, coming and just, uh, there was a couple things that happened there. One was there were uh, tremendous sort of fraud rings that started in terms of access to government benefits associated with some of the the pandemic fallout around unemployment and government assistance programs and so on. So it just sort of created this, uh, I don't know, marketplace criminal operations, for lack of a better way of saying it, focused around identity fraud. There was a lot of investment in identity fraud because the payoff was significant and also the, the risk factors different than uh, what some of these folks typically do. And so that happened. That's kind of the the overall backdrop. And then the whole shift to remote work where virtually every employer in some capacity or another uh, starts supporting remote work, some all in, some middle ground. And uh, that created the space for uh, significant increases and opportunities in identity fraud for employment. So what we've seen is a couple things. You know, one is um, sort of the obvious that is maybe a little bit more innocent where people maybe just want to hide something about themselves to get a job. Uh, you know, they don't want an employer to know about criminal record or whatever. So they, they, they commit some level of identity fraud, change your information, line of background check, that type of thing. But what we're also seeing 
is we're seeing um, people who, uh, you know, are either outright unqualified for a job that may <laughs> hire someone else to do an interview for them or, you know, pass an assessment test. That's happening quite a bit and a lot easier in the age of remote work. And then secondly, um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing people who will commit outright identity fraud to get into an organization to then have access to their proprietary systems, customer databases, things like that. Um, to further their their schemes, those are those are some of the things that we're seeing on the on the, on the fraud side of things. So um, let's back up real quick on and just kind of unpack the services layer because uh, I would assume obviously a lot of this is driven by technology, of course. Um, so for the audience's sake, um, let's what is where where do we start with them if they they they're a sterling, a sterling client so they know yep. you all right all right that all that good stuff. Now you're going to go to them and say, okay, by the way, here's here's something else you should be looking at. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is a big effort we've been under really this year uh, is when this when this started. And so um, some of the discussions that we're having, and I think the things that that folks should know about the the service side of things is that we have we have basically what we've tried to do is all of the hard work so that employers can implement this as easily as possible in other words they can essentially make a change background checks are set up typically in packages right so uh employers would say i want you know these type of components these type of checks uh, when i'm hiring this type of employee and they create a package around that so adding identity is essentially as simple as adding it to a package and then once that happens um the employer would choose sort of what what level of identity verification they want. So there's um, different levels in the same way one background check typically doesn't fit every organization and every hire. Similar with identity, you may want to have something that has relatively low friction, but still is going to accomplish a basic sense of identity verification. Or you might want to scale all the way up to something that uh, introduces more friction, but also, um, you know, has a higher uh, level of confidence on the identity side. For example, something like identity assurance level two or IL two, and you know, there's a lot of in between options there. So they would pick sort of what identity verification solution they wanted, yeah. add that to their package, and then um, the workflow essentially kicks off the rest. The way that we've configured this is it basically just becomes the first step. Think about it as like the proverbial bouncer at the door, right? Just make sure that the the person who gets in for the background check is who they say they are. And that the information about them, their name, date of birth, social security number and address, that those are accurate and those are validated. Um, and then those the way that we have it set up is that that takes place during this first step. And then that information just automatically imports into the Sterling system. Oh, so cool. that saves data entry. But also once it gets in there, we lock it down. So we don't allow someone to change it since it had just been verified. And then all of that verified information is then just used to process the background check. So obviously we use trust, but verify, right? So <laughs> um, as a backdrop, but do you see this either now or in the future also verifying skills? Yeah. I mean, look, it's a, that's a, that's a great, um, that's a great point because one of the things that, skills-based hiring and just this this move towards that is a big discussion right now. And I here's what I would say. So for Sterling, it's it's not just about verifying identity. It's also about this move towards 
digital identity, reusable identity. It's about giving people control of their identity, of the information about themselves, you know, privacy preserving principles, all of these things. And so when someone goes through our workflow, we're partnered closely with ID.me, um, and they essentially come out the other side with their own trusted digital identity that they can control and use in many different ways. And, you know, the, the real vision here expands beyond identity into digital wallet and other capabilities. And that's where we get into skills. So someone could have skills or certifications or other, other things about them that could be essentially validated added to their digital wallet and something that sort of moves with that person. So they come into an interview or a background check or whatever, and they're able to share um, those types of things uh, about themselves. I like that. I, I like the transportability. I believe you referred to it at one point is just being able to take that wallet and then move around from job to job or internally. Yeah. From one job internally to another one and not have to go through the paperwork again. It's like it's already there. It's already been verified, et cetera. I, I, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't ask you about degrees or things like that. Is that a part of the verification process as well? It's just to make, because years ago, back when there were resumes, um, the, you know, people would say like attended. You know, in my case, mm -hmm. it'd be like intended SMU, but it wouldn't put like graduated. <laughs> so you never could kind of tell like, okay, did they graduate from SMU or did they just attend? Did they go to a semester? Like, so it's kind of a wonky bit. Do y'all, do y'all look at either that now or in the future as something where you actually go to the school, you know, and verify that a degree was completed, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the scope of Sterling Services, we can check just about anything that you can think of or that would be a, the type of check that you'd consider. So, you know, some of the some of the standard ones that many employers set up are uh, exactly what you're saying. Education, they want to check, you know, for example, the highest degree that the person has listed. Uh, some do more than that. Uh, you can check uh, employment history. So, you know, did this person actually work at this place? Did they have the, the title that they said? Uh, you know, those type things. Um, you know, there's a whole suite of services uh, that, that employers can get at. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the other ones, criminal history, uh, you know, driving record checks, uh, certifications, you know, someone, a nurse or a, a doctor. Uh, so all those things, because to your point, it's important. And you, and you, you want to make sure that uh, what someone is, is saying is um, is what it should be. And, you know, there's different there's different levels to this. You know, one is you're hiring someone and a college degree is required, that type of thing. But another is, you know, if you're if you're hiring like a, a medical professional, you definitely want to make sure that that person is qualified, um, you know, and certified. So, uh, yeah, those are all things we can offer. And I think where, where it starts to get very exciting is uh, through the lens of identity. You know, those things in today's world have to essentially be like re-verified every time someone gets a new job or moves which is kind of crazy because a lot of that stuff doesn't change. Um, it's immutable data. And so once, you know, we can sort of, you know, shift that and move it so that that information is verified once, goes under control of the individual, and it moves with that individual job to job or or beyond that, um, that gets really exciting. Yeah, I think what I'm looking at is uh, with, with the identity services in particular, where it's credentialing uh, around kind of highly regulated industries, like you mentioned nurses, but I was also thinking about investment bankers and real yep. estate agents, where they have to keep their license current. Yep. So someone can easily put that they're a real estate 
uh, you know, agent and pick a place, but they might not, they might not have their license, their license might not be current, uh, et cetera. So I could see where that actually, there's a lot of that, yeah. that's fluid. No, that's a really good point. And, you know, one of the things, so Sterling recently, um, recently time flies a little bit. This is maybe a year or two ago. Uh, we, um, we want to contract with FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. So they work at the behest of the SEC. They essentially regulate uh, the securities industry. And that one of the things that they do is if you're going to be a broker dealer and involved in that space, you have to go through a number of checks. And one of those is um, an FBI-based background check where you have to go and get fingerprinted and uh you know then the 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 fingerprint is essentially channeled to the fbi the results are returned to you know finra and the respective employer the financial institution um and there's a whole there's a whole lot that goes into this and sterling we now um we now manage essentially that that whole whole program and um you know, there's 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 a lot of innovation that could be done in a space like that. Um, from the individual needing to go, you know, typically every year to get fingerprinted and have those checks done. Um, imagine in a space where someone could, instead of having to go and get fingerprinted and do all that, sort of have control of their own biometric um, and share that, release that information on a on a regular basis. Um, there's just a lot of things that can be done. And financial services space is another great example. I love that. So let's do some buy side stuff for a second. One is uh, questions that practitioners should ask of you and your team in terms of uh, this is their first time buying identity services in this way. Um, what are the questions? What's what do you what do you love to hear? Like what's if if you could script it? Like what should they be asking you? Yeah. So I think you know what I would say to. To, to employers, whether they're client, existing clients of Sterling or sort of working with their own background check provider, is when you're talking about identity services, the, the first thing is finding a, a, a product setup that makes sense for your hiring space, right? So as I mentioned previously, that's going to differ. So, you know, what type of sort of candidate experience are you trying to provide? How much, how much fraud or risk do you perceive you have right now? And, um, you know, based on those, ba based on some dialogue around that, typically we can really get into the, the right type of setup. Uh, do you want to verify, for example, one piece, uh, one proof, one proof point of identity? Do you want two? Do you want three? Um, so those are the types of questions initially uh, that, that I think clients and, and prospects need to get into. Um, Additionally, what I would say beyond sort of working with Sterling is as this is something, William, that employers are really finding their way on. We've done some surveys where up to 75% of HR practitioners either mistakenly believe this is already happening as part of the background <laughs> check or um, don't know if it's happening. So we have a huge right. sort of uphill climb to just educate employers on what is and isn't happening. And I you know, appreciate podcasts like this because hopefully employers listen to this and say, oh, shoot, it, that's actually not happening as part of the background. I mean, we estimate 99% background checks done in the US don't have identity services, right? We're just getting started out on this. So I think that's the biggest thing for employers to dig in on is what is, what is and is not happening in your hiring process right now from an identity perspective. I think that's just the starting point. And you know, once that is established, 
Then I think talking with a company like Sterling and understanding what what you can do to implement identity services um, is a really important conversation to have. Who owns identity verification internally uh, for for the customer? Is that centralized in in HR or in recruiting? Is it a is it a role like yeah. like who does that? Because in, in my mind, I, th- I I see it as the Wild West and it's all over the place and different mm-hmm. people are doing it differently. But like if we could just kind of blank canvas it. How should it be done? Yeah, I mean, look, it's this is a really important conversation to have because what has happened is HR has, in my opinion, just sort of unfairly been tasked with the identity verification component. And if you think about right. it, this is really a security type thing. This is something that 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 lives in in that space. But because HR is responsible for bringing employees in. This sort of falls into the sphere of background screening. And then and then what, what has also happened, and, and part of what has complicated this is we do have an I-9 process in the US. And you know, that process is largely based around um work authorization, right? Like are you are you are you a US citizen or otherwise have the ability to work within the US? But a component of that is identity verification. And so many employers just kind of rely on that process. But the reality is that process was created in 1985. It basically has not changed. It is predicated around a just sort of in-person document check based around work authorization. And that is typically handled by HR. So right. if, you, if you unpack that, the first thing that's a problem is it's happening after you hired the person. So that's already an issue because now whatever's happened sort of downstream from that um, there's already a vulnerability. Uh, secondly, the vast majority of employers we talk to when they're going through I-9, they're not taking the time to look at these documents and say, okay, is this the same name, date of birth, SSN, et cetera, that the person gave us back when they did the background check? Um, and then thirdly, typically that's done by an HR manager. And, you know, how many HR managers do you know that are trained in document fraud <laughs> and how to detect, you know, I, the, the the fake documents that are out there are so good. Most trained humans have trouble detecting. Right. That's why we use technology. So it, it's it, there's a whole lot that I think HR needs to look at there um, and, and tools that can help take that burden off them um, and reduce risk for, for companies. Oh, we can spend we can spend another hour talking about this because it just fascinates me. Because I think when you when you framed it up, it's like most practitioners, both in recruiting and in HR, probably don't know exactly what's being done as it relates to identity. I think the background screen or the background check, they might have an idea of what's there, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not with as it relates to identity. And and again. It's it's something that uh, <laughs> we as we manage risk, we need to kind of get be be more proactive and understanding what we're doing and what we're not doing. Uh, so I think all of that's fascinating. Let me ask you a uh, customer success without brand names. So yeah. stories that you just love to hear where companies maybe are using the identity services, Sterling's identity services in a way. And you're like, oh, that's cool. That's, that's yeah. really nice. Look, I'll, I'll give you two quick examples, um, both very proud of these companies and sort of what we've been able to do. The, the first is a, is a national um, uh, staffing company that places people at kind of big, in this instance, at least, placed, placed people at big box, uh, big box retailer. And what they found was there was significant identity fraud that was happening where people would come in, they'd start working at this retailer. And within the first couple of days, typically, sometimes longer than that, they would steal 
huge amount of stuff, tens of thousands of dollars sometimes worth of merchandise. They'd be out and they'd say, oh, okay, go find William Tincup. And then they find out, oh, wait, that wasn't William Tincup. Um, you know, and so people were committing this level of identity fraud to come in and sort of uh, commit that uh, commit that crime. And we were able to put identity verification right up front in the process, weed those people out, caught, caught a lot of fraud and really stop that from being a problem that happened. So that helped tremendously with this company, with their client. So that was a great success story. The second one is um, a company that is in the financial services space that was hiring people. And what they found was there was uh, numerous instances where they'd find criminal records, luckily, or some some type of issue would bubble up afterwards. They go back and say, wait a second, how do we miss this in the background check? And it turned out the person was wise enough to throw off their SSN or throw off their date of birth or throw off their name. And that caused records to be missed. So they implemented identity. And in uh, you know in a six month before and after time frame, we saw the um, rate of criminal records being de- uh, delivered to them increase by almost twenty two percent. And so that's another great success. And honestly, William, that's that's a piece we are just scratching the surface of. We are literally just now getting into the data of before and after comparisons on clients that implement this. And the increase in records delivered is really substantial. It's really going to be compelling as we put this together more. It's almost terrifying on some level, right? It's like if you knew, if you ever hung out with a hacker, if you really knew what was going on, (laughs) you'd be terrified every time you got on the internet, right? So this is happening. And instead of having your head in the sand as a practitioner, you got to pull your head out of the sand and go, okay, it's, it's happening. Now let me know to what extent it's happening and then shore up uh, some of the, the, the processes and, you know, so where it happens less. Precisely. Taylor, this has actually been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, William. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.